Hello, welcome back everyone to this episode of the Becoming Immune Confident podcast. My name is Dr. Kara Wada. I am a board certified pediatric and adult allergy, immunology, lifestyle medicine physician, and autoimmune patient. And I am just thrilled to welcome our guest today. She is the veggies over pills doctor, Dr. Noemi Adame. She's a board certified pediatrician, a whole food plant-based home cook and baker, writer, public speaker, and holistic wellness expert. She is the owner of Culver Pediatrics Center and founder of Culver Wellness Center, a transformational holistic wellness clinic for women. Culver Pediatrics Center was voted one of the best physician offices in the best of Marshall County in 2023. Dr. Adame earned her Doctor of Medicine from the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston and completed her pediatric residency training at the University of Utah with most of her time spent at the nationally recognized Primary Children's Medical Center. Dr. Adame has also completed additional education on holistic wellness for adults through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Dr. Adame writes a bi-monthly column for the Culver Citizen, hosts the Veggies Over Pills radio show at a local radio station, and is the author of Metamorphosis Holistic Wellness Journal her primary tool for guiding clients towards a holistic transformational journey. She speaks about workforce wellness and other wellness topics. Dr. Adame has over 20 years of experience as a physician and is now focusing her proprietary team-based veggies over pills approach to health because she believes healthy children start with healthy adults in their lives. I am so excited to connect with you and to have this conversation today. Thank you so much for taking Oh, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I've been following your social media and I just, I, I love your approach and your philosophy and your oh. attitude about wellness and autoimmune disease. We're going to yeah. have some mutual fangirling. <laughs> I would love to hear kind of your journey towards finding lifestyle medicine mm-hmm. and in this really cool area of medicine that you're practicing. Right. So I started off pretty standard. I did my residency at, at Primary Children's, you know, through the University of Utah, incredible inpatient-focused training, um, incredible experience. Um, And so I did my first job. My first job was as a hospitalist uh, in San Antonio. And I loved that job. I thrived in the academic hospitalist environment. I had amazing colleagues. We did so much. We did so much more than inpatient. We did complex care. We did sedations. We did newborn nursery. And I loved, I loved that in, that changing, constantly changing, fast-paced environment. I, I thrived in an academic setting with my little flock of medical <laughs> students and interns and residents. It was a great job. And after eight years there, I was developing a national reputation, but my husband has wanderlust and he wanted to go live abroad. And I know I sound like I'm complaining when other people say, oh my gosh, that would be a dream come true. But it's hard to do to leave your career or take a break. Exactly. I had worked so hard to get to where I was. I had a strong foothold in medical education. I had a position that paid 20% of my salary. I was developing an emerging national reputation. But the way Chris, my husband, convinced me to leave was because he said, okay, we'll go to a Spanish-speaking country. And I really, my parents were Mexican immigrants, and my kids were not learning Spanish, even in San Antonio, even though I tried to talk Spanish to them. So we packed up, we sold our house, sold our car, sold most of our possession and moved to Costa Rica. 
for a year where the kids went to a school down there. And then the plan initially was to stay there for two years. But then we, because that wasn't, that wasn't adventurous <laughs> enough, we actually decided to travel around the world for a year and homeschool our kids during that time. And when it was time to come back, my husband had been the trailing spouse. I mean, pretty much since he was my boyfriend in college. He followed me to medical school. He followed me to residency. He followed me to my first job. And so when it was time to come back, I said, you know what? You get a job and then I'll figure it out. And lo and behold, he got a job in rural Indiana <laughs> where there were not a lot of hospitalist positions for me here. So I got a corporate outpatient pediatric mm-hmm. job for the local hospital oligarch. And, and my, my cocky academic self thought, well, I used to work in the ICU and the ER and doing sedations for kids with their, with their way issues. So of course, doing outpatient medicine is going to be a piece of cake. But I was not built for it. I was just, I was miserable with the RVUs and the ridiculously short times with patients and the filters. Like I didn't understand, I just, I did not understand the system. It just made no sense to me. In the hospital, the system made sense to me because the system was there for patient safety and to make sure that I didn't make an error. And I felt like it was a safety net where I felt like the system and outpatient was more to, to capture billing. And it felt like it was a filter between myself and the patient. And I was very unhappy. I was morally injured, so burnt out. It, it just made me nauseated when a patient would wait for an hour to see me for 10 minutes. It just physically made me, and I'm, I'm sure you hear yeah. this story a lot with people who come into your um, show. And it was very frightening for me because I didn't just hate the doctor that I had become. I really, I hated the person mm-hmm. that I had become. And it was scary for me. It was scary for my family. And corporate medicine had become this monster that I just, I didn't even have the strength to fight. And I was worried that I either had to quit being a doctor and leave medicine completely, which I didn't want to do. I I loved being a doctor, but around that time, I discovered direct primary care, the direct primary care movement, a local doctor. I'd heard about it. I went to visit his practice and it's basically a membership-based model that doesn't take insurance. And I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. So yeah. So after being totally burnt out and morally injured, I left corporate medicine and I opened up my own practice in August of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Right in the middle of a global pandemic and worldwide economic crisis. Uh, But, you know, I was so happy that I was practicing medicine in my own terms without non-doctors dictating my relationship with my patients. I loved being a doctor again. Most, a lot of my previous patients followed me and it really, I felt like we rekindled our relationship. I I rekindled this relationship with my patients and I loved that I could counsel families on whole foods, plant-based focused anticipatory guidance. I didn't have to follow somebody else's educational tools. I I designed them myself based on what I was learning about with with, uh, lifestyle medicine but this is the big but. There's always a but, yeah. right? I was still doing primarily sick care in the practice. And as a pediatrician, I realized I cannot tell a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or even a 15-year-old, well, you need to eat more veggies. You need to eat more fruit. And in fact, I won't even discuss weight in front of a child. And I have that option because I can communicate with families privately by text. But I realized that I needed to address lifestyle with the person in charge of the grocery shopping, the meal planning, the cooking. And in most households, that's mom, right? So I had done CME through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And so it was just a very natural step to start applying those principles of to the anticipatory guidance that I was already offering families. Yeah. 
And the, I mean, that's so true. And, and that's in part, like, one of the things that keeps me going in regards to like the meal planning and cooking and all that stuff at home is knowing that if I'm taking care of in the self-care stuff, if I'm taking care of me, that is reflecting. I'm also taking care of my kids. They also are seeing what we value as a family and seeing like, for instance, with workouts in the morning, my daughter will hop on her little mini Peloton bike next to me. And like, she may or may not pedal, but like my older one was trying to do a weights, arms, little light weights workout with me the other day. And so you see how these changes are a little bit contagious in the best way. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and that's what I tell my families. It's, it's, they see you do it and they'll do it. They see you eating this way. And then, and it might take you putting the broccoli on that plate 20 times before they actually try it, but they'll try it eventually. Just need to be patient and not make it a power struggle. Oh yes. That is, that is the ever present struggle with my five-year-old. Like she, she's the middle child. She just is always wanting to push back a little bit, especially when it's like a little more, it's not plant-based things that are kind of disguised as like, you know, healthy looking on the plate. Then she's a little more, yeah, my mac and Suspicion. cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting sharing one of the places where I hear so much similarity is our both shared struggles with burnout and- I'm wondering, are there specific things that you think helped you get out of that space and place? I really think it was these thoughts of, I hate myself. I did not sign up for this. Classic um, story of the physician sitting in the parking lot, gripping the steering wheel, going, I don't want to go in. I don't want to do this anymore. That that was me. That was me. And and it and I tried to reach out for help. I left one job to go to another to go, thinking, okay, the grass yeah. is greener, it'll get better. But I realized now going from one corporate job to another is it was just you trade one set one set of problems for another. And I was very specific with what I wanted. I said I want more time with my patients. I want one day off per week. Just one day, one day, I, I can work 12 hour days. I can yeah. work because I had energy. I had energy. I could still function, but I just wanted one day off per week so that I could completely recharge and not a weekend, like a day that, you know, that, at that time my kids were still home and that I could actually just be home and recharge and not set an alarm and go for a long run. And so I was very specific with what I wanted and they said, no. And of course I was told, well, you're burnt out. You need therapy. You need counseling. You need to do yoga. Go be well on your own time was really the message that I, that I felt I got from, from both of my previous employees. Go be well on your own time. And you, you fix this. This isn't our problem. This is a you problem. And I think that for, which is why I really feel morally, moral injuries, a more accurate term than burnout. And it's very much a systemic issue and not a issue of resilience, but it, it was those thoughts of, I don't like my life anymore. I don't like this doctor. I don't like this person and that and referring to, to me. I've kind of reflected, I think I show up very different with my patients now than I did when I was burnt out. Oh yeah, completely, completely. I feel like 
the relationship that I have with my patients now, it really, it sounds cheesy and corny and I promise I'm not trying to be cheesy and corny. It really is like family. It really is like family. And that's one of the reasons I I started doing lifestyle medicine because the mom started coming to me for advice. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, okay, I need to learn about these grownups, you know, Um, because they didn't feel comfortable and didn't have that type of relationship with their doctors. And not just because their doctors weren't interested or weren't caring. It's time. And I knew that it was, it's time because I've been there. I'm sure when I was in corporate medicine, my patients felt like I wasn't listening and I wasn't spending enough time with them. So it's a systemic issue. And I do a lot of, I mean, we're, we're kind of like the medical detective. I'm like the pediatric medical detective in the area. And when I meet with families, when they're first interested in joining the practice, the one thing I tell them is I am not necessarily smarter than other doctors you've seen. I don't have secret drugs or secret treatments for your child. What I have is more time. I have time. So I have time to sit down with you, learn everything about your child and talk with you and, and come up with, um, with a diagnostic and treatment plan for, for your child. That's, that's the main difference. Yeah. I think it's, it's so interesting that when we are burnt out or where we have moral injury, the way that we try right. to protect ourselves or defense mechanism, whatever you want to call it, is, is pulling back. Right. But really what you're describing and what sounds like was so healing was that connection with Mm -hmm. the other, with your patients, with their families and that, that the other human across from you. Right. Cause that's why I became a pediatrician, right? That's radiologist. (laughs) I wanted to connect meaningfully with my patients. So yeah, that's why the direct primary care model has been, just wonderful, wonderful. But the main, my main concern after about a year of practicing was that, that I was doing sick care and I wanted to, okay, what can I do? So I'm not just doing sick care. I want to do wellness. And one thing that happened this last summer in June, my mother died. My mother died very unexpectedly four months before she turned mm-hmm. 80. And she was not a typical 80 year old. The day that she, she had a stroke and the day that morning that she had the stroke, she Woke up at 5.30 in the mornings, power walked three miles, had lunch with her friends, worked in her garden. She, that is how she, she lived alone. She was just very active. My sisters and I had plans to take her on vacation later that fall. So when I got the call, she was in the ICU. I was, it it just, it rocked our world for myself and my sisters. I dropped everything and, and I went home to Texas the next day. I was, and I told my husband and we were about to start, we had a contract with a summer camp to provide medical care for them. And I called the director and said, I don't know when I'm coming back. Cause I didn't know she was going to survive yeah. in three, you know, and, and I was going to come back three months later. So, or she wasn't going to survive the night. And so she was in the ICU for six days mm-hmm. and then she transitioned and, and died. And when she died, I did a real audit mm-hmm. of my life. I did a real audit of my life and we thought, I thought I had her for another 10, 15, even 20 years, even though she was 80 or almost 80. She was so healthy. And then her mother had lived till 96. And so I decided that I was going to sort out my priorities. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I needed was to spend more time with my family, but also have more freedom. And so that if there was a crisis, because I still have children, I have a husband, I have sisters, and I needed to be able to walk away during times of a family emergency. Mm -hmm. And I have amazing patients. Okay. I have amazing patients that 
oh my gosh, they were so understanding. Cause I, I, you know, before I left, I sent an email saying mom's in the hospital. I don't know when I'm coming back, but the typical, but I'm available to answer texts. <laughs> I know, I know. And I realized, okay, I, this, this needs to change. And so having already been familiar with lifestyle medicine, I thought, okay, you know what? I'm not going to close down the pediatric portion of the practice, but I am going to, uh, I'm not going to actively grow it. And I'm going to focus on lifestyle medicine for adults and growing that part of the practice. So that, and that's why we are, that's why we are rebranding to a transformational holistic wellness clinic for women. Because again, we're trying to get to the person who's in charge of the grocery shopping, because that's how we're going to have healthy children. But just from a lifestyle perspective, my children are getting older and they're going to, I want to be able to go visit them. And I want to be able to go on vacation with my husband and my sisters. And it's harder to do that. It is hard to do that in in the pediatric concierge world. I've done it, but there's always that, it's hard to let go. And so I just thought, well, doing the lifestyle medicine will make it a little bit easier to build a business that can function without me. Because right now I am the product. In the pediatrics, I am the product. I am what patients are paying for. And I love that. And it makes for a very, very special relationship. But just from a sustainability standpoint, I want to keep that part of the practice small and grow the lifestyle medicine portion. I'd love to hear kind of what, you know, what is in a holistic wellness center? Like what? Take me in. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so we I follow, I designed a framework based on the principles of lifestyle medicine. That's what I call the veggies over pills, the veggies over pills method. And I really feel, I was very hesitant to use the word holistic for years and wellness because it just conjured up this image of this like anti-vax type of movement and or an almost anti-science and no matter what field of medicine we are as physicians, I really feel we need to reclaim those terms. We need to reclaim the terms holistic. We need to reclaim the word wellness and the world of wellness. And one of the ways we do that is by rebuilding and repairing the relationship with our patients again, like old school doctors. One of the things that I realized in working with women, for example, is in the wellness space is that when I ask about barriers, one of the most common things they say, I don't have time to plan meals or prep meals because of work. I'm too tired to exercise because of work. And that's when I started uh, looking at corporate wellness and doing corporate wellness speaking engagements and consultations. Because again, I'm always trying to go back to the source. Okay, like what is the root cause, right? What's the root cause of this? And I was looking at corporate wellness, not just as a new vertical for the practice, but also to implement these strategies for myself as a business owner. Yeah. I have a tiny little practice, really rural Indiana. The practice is, is at my house. Behind those white double doors is my dining room. And I felt like I very intentionally wanted to make sure I did not, I as a business owner, as an employer, did not become the monster that I had left behind in corporate medicine. So that's when I started doing a deep dive into corporate wellness, not just as a business decision, but just a a very, very personal one too. And I really feel that physicians should be dominating in the wellness space, both at the individual and at the corporate level. We have been relegated to sick care by insurance companies, by hospitals, by private equity, by corporate systems that 
that tell us what to do. And we need to say, stop. I'm not just going to do sick care anymore. Every single doctor listening, I really hope that if there's one thing that I hope I inspire the people listening, the or physicians listening, is as physicians, we need to be the local authority in the wellness space wherever we live. So if someone needs a speaker at a local wellness conference, they're calling you as the doctor, where if, if a school needs to revamp their nutritional program, they're calling you. A company wants to design a workforce wellness ecosystem to promote natural movement amongst their employees, they're calling you, the local doc. And I really feel that it is very important because there's people with less training, knowledge, experience, and education doing this. And we need to reclaim that holistic wellness space and step out of the shadows of the sick care system. We have to normalize the market for physicians in the wellness space. And there's plenty, there's plenty for all of us. And by holistic, I mean, what lifestyle medicine teaches us is anti-inflammatory nourishment or whole foods, plant-based nourishment, restorative sleep, natural movement, meaningful social connections, engaging with nature, mindfulness-based stress reduction, avoiding toxic, avoiding risky substances, going back to basics. It is simply going back to basics. And helping support folks in those changes, knowing yeah. that it's right. hard to do. Like you just mentioned, like it's really, it's hard to do with all of the social structures in place that mm-hmm. just really make it challenging. I'm curious having read a bit up and watched a bit on the blue zones and one of the blue zones is in Costa Rica. They mentioned kind of in the book. And then I think in the Netflix program too, about their primary care system. And I'm curious if you were able to like gather or learn anything kind of from your year abroad. So I lived in Monteverde, which is was up on the mountains, but the blue zone in Costa Rica is in the Nicoya Peninsula, Nosara. And so it's down the mountain and off into the West Coast from where I was living. But I, even though, yes, the area where I was living wasn't one of the designated blue zones, there's still some cultural aspects like the diet, mm-hmm. like the social connections, like the walking, the natural movement that is countrywide. So for example, and I didn't, we never, we never needed to access the healthcare system, but I did meet a couple of doctors because I did think about maybe practicing mm-hmm. down there. And it's very hard, by the way. <laughs> it is very hard for a foreign doctor. They have they have plenty of doctors. They actually have a pretty good health. They have a socialized healthcare system. They pay their doctors very well. Their doctors are very happy. They don't have a lot of administrative burden because they don't have to document to satisfy an insurance company or some sort of billing, you know, coder. They document like the way doctors here used to document. Just patient has strep. Strep positive. Amoxicillin it is. So their, yeah, their administrative burden was very low. One of the doctors that I met said, I go on vacation three times a year all over the world. I mean, doctors here live very, very well. And because there's in some countries where where they don't, right? But yeah, their system was amazing. And the people were were very healthy. They had an amazing children's hospital down in San Jose also. So yeah, I did look into becoming a doctor, but they very much are like, yeah, we got enough doctors here. Thank you very much, foreigner. <laughs> I, I think I had heard that one point. One of, I'm pretty certain one of my classmates in medical school. It's been so many years now, um, but I'm pretty certain that is where he grew up and where his family was from. And the plan, at least when we were in school, was he he planned to go back. But I'm sure a little bit different situation in in that that instance. But yeah. Yeah. I, I was so happy. We didn't have a car. We walked everywhere. I did yoga almost every day. 
to go anywhere you walked. Like if I had to go to the grocery store, I, I would put on a backpack because they don't have like plastic bags everywhere, right? Like the way we do. So I would put on a little backpack go to the grocery store, put all my groceries on the backpack, and then climb back up the hill with my backpack full of groceries. Wow. So, and, and so it's not like they had gyms everywhere. That's what Blue Zones is all about, yeah. right? It's not that there's gyms or juice bars. It's just everything, the, their lifestyle is embedded into their everyday life, like the natural, wow. the natural movement. And that's what we struggle against here in the States. I mean, and to kind of put in perspective, which I think it's just helpful to say, yes, it is challenging. And also we can maybe workshop or find some ways to make those decisions, sometimes hard decisions in order to make those shifts if you really want to. Right. Right. And, and it's also hard because even though someone could like, I call it blue, you can blue zone your house. You can blue zone your house to make healthy choices as far as nourishment, as far as physical activity. But when you, when as Americans, we spend one third of our waking hours in a lifetime at work, if our work isn't blue zoned, then it makes it even more challenging yeah. because then that's an added burden with, with just trying to make healthy decisions about our lifestyle. And that brings us back to the workforce wellness and in thinking about how we can do that in our spaces. That's one of the reasons. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I started doing that part of the practice of doing workforce wellness audits and speaking engagements, because it has to be a top down approach. People need to be the workers need to, oh, okay, are the senior staff or the leadership is doing this. They're implementing these active designs so that we move more, so that we have healthy choices to eat. I'm actually giving a talk at, there's a pediatric DPC mastermind later this month. And I'm going and I'm giving that talk precisely is how to create a workforce wellness ecosystem within your DPC micro practice. And of course, DPC practices like mine, it, I mean, really, we're small, we maybe have a couple of staff. So it's not about, ooh, you need to provide the state of the art gym, you know, to your staff. No, it, it really is very small things like, hey, make sure that you give people enough time that they can prepare meals that they cook from home or give them enough of a lunch break that they can go get a meal if, if they want to go out and purchase a meal, that it's not fast food, that they actually have time. So even just little simple things like that, walking meetings instead of sitting meetings, little simple things like that that don't cost a lot of money but can have a huge impact on morale and, and the health of the workforce are, are very, very doable. I'm already, I have little ideas going with our office and I'm going to have to check. Yeah, I'm going to have to check. Two of my good friends have, within the last year, year and a half, have opened up direct care practices. One is a pediatrician. One is med peds. And she has a focus kind of on the fourth trimester too. And so I'm going to have to make sure that they are connected with you as well. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We've got, if they're on the Facebook groups, I, I might know them because I'm both on the on the fourth try and we'll trade, we'll trade names after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. It's a small community. It's a small world. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. Where can people connect with you if they if this is really resonating? They want to learn more from you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we have some listeners, maybe that are even mm-hmm. local. 
How can they connect? Right. So we have a pretty strong online presence. So people can visit our website, www.culverpediatrics.com. They can learn more about our practice and the services that we offer. So in addition to being pediatrics concierge, we are also a holistic wellness clinic for women. And I do corporate wellness audits and and consultations. I do corporate wellness speaking engagements. All that info is on our website. I also designed a journal for my wellness patients to guide them on their journey called Metamorphosis Holistic Wellness. So if you have any docs that are listening that are that practice lifestyle medicine or obesity medicine, do weight loss or wellness management, if they go to our website or my website, they can they can find a link to purchase the journal and they can use it to guide their patients on, on their journey. And it's body positive, encourages partnering with their doctor. It's totally holistic. So it's not just like doc logging food exercise. It's also like, Mindfulness and sleep, yeah. right? Yeah, everything, right? Affirmations. There's da- a daily gratitude journaling part. There's a se- weekly self reflection. Yeah, very much all that, all that crunchy stuff. That, but that is evidence based and important. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Culver Peds, and uh, we offer a lot of wellness tips there. I'm on LinkedIn, Noemi Adame MD. Although that account mainly focuses on connecting a B two B, so corporate wellness as a corporate wellness speaker. And so yeah, so go to our website, check out our socials, check out my wellness journal. And if anyone is looking for a speaker for their next conference or wellness event, hit me up, book me for a consult and we can get the ball rolling. Fantastic. We'll make sure to link to all of those in the show notes so that people can just easily click through and give you a follow or an email. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and into the weekend. And I'm so glad we were able to connect Dr. Adame. Oh, same here. Thank you. Take care. Hey there, amazing listeners. Before we wrap up today's episode, I want to take a quick moment to ask for your support. If you're enjoying the content of the Becoming Immune Confident podcast we're bringing you week after week, there's a simple but incredibly impactful way you can show your appreciation. You see, leaving a review is like giving us a virtual high five, and it helps our podcast reach even more people who could benefit from the valuable insights, entertainment, and inspiration we strive to provide week after week. So if you're finding value in what you hear, here's what you can do. Open up your podcast app, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, and give us a glowing five-star review. We're dedicated to bringing you the best, and your feedback helps us fine-tune our content to suit your interests and needs. But hey, don't stop there. If you have a moment, leaving a few kind words in the review section goes a long way too. Share what you love about the podcast, your favorite episodes, or how it's made a positive impact on your life. Your words not only brighten our day, but they also encourage others to join our incredible community. Remember, every five-star review and every word of encouragement counts. It's like fuel to keep us creating, innovating, and striving to make your listening experience even better. So if you're up for it, show us some love by leaving us that virtual high five in the form of a five-star review today. And a huge shout out to all of you who have already taken the time to do so. You rock. Thank you for being a part of our podcast journey. And we can't wait to keep bringing you more amazing episodes in the future. Until next time, keep shining and keep listening and keep on building that confidence in yourself and your immune system health. Take care.
If you are loving this mix of self-discovery and science found here on the Becoming Immune Confident podcast, I'd love to invite you to sign up for my email list. Hop over to drkarawada.com and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any insights into new immune system science or how we can harness healing through our daily habits. Are you ready to feel confident, energized, and more like that BA that you used to be? Here's how we can work together. Jennifer, an autoimmune dietitian, and I, board-certified immunologist, have put together the one and only Becoming Immune Confident comprehensive course, coaching, and community membership. What we do is we help women with misbehaving immune systems reclaim control over their health while minimizing fatigue, fog, and pain, all caused from too much inflammation. So if you are ready to have confidence and clarity around your immune system health, and a sense of certainty, knowing that you are doing the best for your health and the health of your family, hop over to immuneconfident.com for details on how we can work together. We can't wait to connect. Hey there, amazing listeners. Before we wrap up today's episode, I want to take a quick moment to ask for your support. If you're enjoying the content of the Becoming Immune Confident podcast we're bringing you week after week, There's a simple but incredibly impactful way you can show your appreciation. You see, leaving a review is like giving us a virtual high five, and it helps our podcast reach even more people who could benefit from the valuable insights, entertainment, and inspiration we strive to provide week after week. So if you're finding value in what you hear, here's what you can do. Open up your podcast app, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, and give us a glowing five-star review. We're dedicated to bringing you the best and your feedback helps us fine-tune our content to suit your interests and needs. But hey, don't stop there. If you have a moment, leaving a few kind words in the review section goes a long way too. Share what you love about the podcast, your favorite episodes, or how it's made a positive impact on your life. Your words not only brighten our day, but they also encourage others to join our incredible community. Remember, every five-star review and every word of encouragement counts. It's like fuel to keep us creating, innovating, and striving to make your listening experience even better. So if you're up for it, show us some love by leaving us that virtual high five in the form of a five-star review today. And a huge shout out to all of you who have already taken the time to do so. You rock. Thank you for being a part of our podcast journey, and we can't wait to keep bringing you more amazing episodes in the future. Until next time, keep shining and keep listening and keep on building that confidence in yourself and your immune system health. Take care.